that. So I'm going to be doing a study tonight out of the book of Jude, which is really going to be kind of an addendum to the last two Sundays. If you kind of uh, think back to what we talked about two Sundays ago from the book of Joshua and crossing the Jordan and being sanctified and ready to cross, and then we, uh, this past Sunday, looked uh, at the book of Exodus 25 through 27 and the attributes in the tabernacle and how those attributes of the tabernacle really kind of give us guidance in the New Testament church and how we are to, uh, we are to reflect uh, the design of the tabernacle in the, in the church today. So we're going to look at a different passage. It's a passage that's encouraged me many times over the years. I believe it will you if you haven't read it in a while. It's uh, Jude. There's only one chapter. So when I say turn to Jude, I don't have to tell you the chapter. There's only one chapter. So j- turn, turn to Jude. One other thing it's kind of uh, related to this past Sunday, uh, it, you may have thought we forgot that we were going to have a dedication with Pastor Tony. We didn't. You know, the weather in Newport News, having and they can't cancel can, can, weekend things. We, we have Pastor Tony up here. For the uh, I tried to get him up here for October the 18th, but they're, they're having a big prayer rally for their new building. Uh, and then we have Bon Air on the other Sunday nights this month, including this Sunday. So November the 1st. So what we'll do on November the 1st is we'll have a late afternoon tonight. tonight. Isn't tonight gorgeous? Just, just, throw the football, throw the football some more, throw the Frisbee, eat some hot dogs and hamburgers, and then Tony will come in. It'll be a very light, it's not a heavy thing, he just wants to encourage us, give some perspective on what God's done in Newport News over the last 20 years, and things that uh, he's got some wisdom and things he can kind of really kind of point our folks to, to say, hey, do these things and the Lord will continue to uh, bless and open up doors. So we'll do that Sunday, November the 1st, and uh, we'll, we'll come up with the time, but the exact time uh, is to be determined, but it'll be late afternoon, so mark that on your Jude chapter 1, which is all of the chapters, and we'll start with verse 20. If your Bibles are open, and I'll be reading verses 20 through the end of the chapter, verse 25, starting with verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Give our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on But others save with fear, pulling them out of fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, that you alone are worthy of glory. And we thank you, Jesus, that you say right here that you'll secure our steps. And Lord, we just ask tonight as we open your word that you would just continue to build line upon line, precept upon precept, what we've been looking at the last two Sundays, Lord, and, and just continue, Lord, to, to open our eyes uh, that, that we, we walk with the earth for foot of feet as a church, but also individually. And Lord, that we would not only pray in the Holy Spirit, but we would do all things in and through the Spirit as a church body 
and Lord, in our individual walk. We ask for your help, your wisdom, your illumination of our study tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Abraham Lincoln, he said this, he said, I'm a slow walker, but I never walk backwards. I'm a slow walker, but I never walk backwards. And the Lord wants us, he knows we're going to, at times, have some missteps, but he wants us going in what direction? Always forward, always moving forward. And this text here uh, in verse 20 says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up. In other words, you already, you remember the, uh, the apostles a few weeks back in Luke 17, they said, Lord, increase our faith. They already had a measure of faith, but increase it. Build ourselves up. Continue walking forward. And granted, not everybody's pace is the same. Uh, there's more mature Christians in the world than me uh, that have advanced faster uh, for, by God's design. There's more mature than you. It's a different pace. But we all should be moving in a direction that ourselves up. It speaks to us individually. Jane, John, each individual. But also, you can think of this text ways, but how church, now we can't build ourselves up, we have looked at, uh, so what does the Lord mean if he says build yourselves up, if we know we can't build ourselves up, it's putting ourselves in the place and the availability that God would build us up, that makes sense? So we as it looked at on Sunday, the attributes of the church in the tabernacle and how that reflects the New Testament church. So if you're taking notes, uh, I'm going to go through some different things uh, in this text. Uh, I've titled tonight's study, Staying the Course. Staying the Course, that the God wants us to be on course, stay on course, but continue to advance forward, to build up, to be strengthened. And we're going to need it uh, in the days we live in. We're going to need it in our family life. You're going to need it at work. You're going to need it at school, wherever you may be. Uh, you're going to need the Lord to strengthen and build you up in the faith. And so the first thing we want to look at is, if you're taking notes, under what I've titled building. It starts in verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves in this most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, if you remember back to Sunday, and we looked at these uh, 10 attributes, and like I said, this is kind of an addendum study, uh, another text that we can look at both individually and collectively, uh, we looked at these 10 things. God uh, gives us this picture in the Old Testament. The first uh, reflects a giving people. Remember that one? Reflects obedience to God's designs. Reflects truth. Reflects teaching. Reflects the light of Christ. Reflects Christ and his scriptural revelation. Reflect, reflects the unity found in Christ. Reflects transformed lives and all of us here that have been saved, we are those transformed lives, reflects the holiness of God. We have a reverence for, for God's holiness. And lastly, reflects life in the Spirit. And we see that right here in verse 20, it says praying in the Spirit. Uh, a lot of people pray in this world. Would you agree? But not everybody prays in the Holy Spirit. First of all, you have to have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside to pray in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads our prayer life. The more we're led by the Spirit, the more we pray the things of God. When Jesus said, you'll ask and it'll be given to you, you'll be asking the things that God actually prompts in your heart, and those are the things that he does desire to give and to answer. 
So in these things um, that we looked at on Sunday, uh, if you looked at uh, number two, for example, obedience to God's design. If you looked at number three, reflecting truth. Truth has to come from this pulpit. Truth has to come from this ministry. Truth has to come out in the modulars where the kids are being taught. We have to teach the truth, but we also, as we talked about, it has to be nourishing. We have to feed. You can't be built up and strengthened on junk food. True? You can eat a lot of junk food. You can try living on Twizzlers. My wife would love, but uh, you can only get so much nourishment out of that. You have to be built up and strengthened. So the building, from a church perspective, we, the leadership of this church, those that are teaching, those that are instructing, uh, those that are teaching Sunday school or teaching the kids, we have to model and teach according to the structure of the Scriptures. So we have to build the kids up, the adults up in the faith. This is called discipleship. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, you know these passages, verses 16 and 17. He says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine. Doctrine's important. For reproof, for getting things right. For correction. You know, for, if we're in the wrong direction, turn it back. Uh, for instruction in righteousness. God desires that we walk in righteousness. Uh, that the man of God may be complete. Think about building up, completed, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God has good works prepared for us, but we need to be equipped for those works. You have to have the strength spiritually and the energy to move forward to stay the course. And then he goes on in the fourth chapter, and he says in verse 2, this is specifically to Timothy who was a pastor, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. You ever wonder what that meant? In other words, it says, be ready all the time. In season, out of season. Morning, night. Summer, winter. Fall, spring. In season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Why long-suffering? Well, when you teach at any level, you will sometimes have students frustrate you. Just go ask the people, the modulars right now. You're not frustrating me. You're quiet. You're, you know, but, but there's still, if there's teaching, instruction, uh, it, it takes time. Those of you that are parents that have tried to convince the two-year-old to eat what's on the high chair, this is good for you. Is it really? Yes, it is. You've got to take time to instruct. It's important that the Word of God be given to build up, uh, but we have to still digest it. George Wycliffe said an answer to how the Word of God must be preached. Uh, Wycliffe once answered appropriately, simply, directly, and from a devout and sincere heart. Don't you want to hear people that teach from a devout and sincere heart? I know I do. When I hear politicians, I want to hear ones with a devout and sincere heart. That's not always the case. I'm not going to say that they're, you know, we, we give them all, there actually are some good uh, leaders out there in government. Not a lot, but there are some out there. And so it's good to have, but he says, Wycliffe way back then said appropriately, simply. You know, Chuck Smith, his, his philosophy of teaching was simply teaching the Bible what? Simply. That's how so many thousands came to understand the Word of God. They're like, man, I'd go to church over here and here. I didn't understand a thing the guy with the little white collar was saying. He was speaking Latin sometimes. He was speaking this sometimes. But, you know, the, the disciples, they were, Jesus had trained a bunch of fishermen 
It gave tangible, relevant teaching that people could understand. So it's important that we be built up in the faith uh, from the pulpit ministry, from children's ministry, from different aspects of um, different aspects of discipleship, but also we have to, in our own personal life, be built up uh, because you have to take and open your own Bible, right? You have to be built up there. Uh, building up the body is also important through prayer. Well, tonight we'll be praying after the service, as Pastor Randy had mentioned. Uh, we have uh, a time of corporate prayer on Sunday mornings. Now, those aren't just modeled to model them, we actually believe that we need to be praying. Jesus said, my house shall be what? A house of prayer. We believe that prayer is important. Uh, if we don't pray in the church, it's hard to tell people to pray in their personal life. You really need to practice what you preach in life. All of us do. And so it's important that we have a prayer life, that we have a prayer emphasis. Uh, I, I look for opportunities in 2016 that we have other prayer opportunities, other prayer emphasis, not just our praise and prayer services on a quarterly basis, but individually, we have to make the decision to, the, the, the writer of Jude is saying here, build yourselves up, you'll have to decide to set the alarm. You'll have to decide to turn something off to pray. You'll have to decide to pray. You'll have to decide to read the Bible. It won't just fly into your hands. But it's important that we take those steps forward, staying on course individually, but then it makes us stronger uh, as a body. Uh, but again, as church leadership, as pastors, it's our job to set the table correctly, right? Set the table, the right food on the table, the right instruction, but then everybody has to uh, really partake. You know the old proverbial, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. It's true. Um, setting the table is important from a structure standpoint. How many of you make your kids buy the groceries? Say, the groceries are on you. You want something to eat, buy the groceries. Now, most of us say, maybe a certain age, you, you probably should say that at a certain age once kids get to be. But when they're young, you know, you set the table and, or set the pantry, for example. Hey, you want a peanut butter and jelly? There's bread, there's peanut butter, and there's jelly in the fridge. You know how to make it, right? But you've bought it, and they now have to partake. And so Jesus has purchased everything for us, hasn't he? He's already stocked the pantry. That's why the writer is saying, build yourselves up, because Jesus has supplied a stocked pantry, if you will, and says, I've already supplied the pantry. Will you now make a sandwich or not? Or a lot of times, well, we're waiting for Jesus to make it for us. He's already done the heavy lifting. He's already paid the bill on our behalf, building ourselves up. Let's look at the next one. Uh, keeping... In verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. How do you keep yourself in the love of God? Certainly, God keeps us, correct? He, he keeps us in his hand. He said, no man can pluck you out of my hand. So we know he keeps us. But what does this mean about keeping ourselves in the love of God? Well, he goes on to say, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, we inherit eternal life because of mercy and because of grace. Amen? But we have to continue to look back at the mercy. Uh, God does love us, but we have to be reminded that he loves us. True? He absolutely does love us, but we have to be reminded of his love. But we also have to be reminded regularly 
uh, of his mercy. So we have to keep ourselves in the place of mercy. Where was Moses supposed to meet with the Lord? Well, it was in the Holy of Holies. We're talking about the tabernacle. But specifically, he was supposed to go to the mercy seat. Why? Because apart from mercy, we have no hope. No one deserves God's goodness. He extends mercy. You know, a judge can, can grant a criminal mercy. When it cries out for mercy, I know I deserve life in prison. Please give me mercy. So we've been given mercy at the point of salvation, uh, but we continue to meet God at the mercy seat in our prayer life, in our life. And so uh, we continue to look to the same mercy that we inherit eternal life. Psalm 6, 9 says, the Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. We come to the Lord with humility. We want to move forward in faith. We want to grow in our faith individually and as Calvary Chapel Richmond. We need to remember that we're only here. Uh, we're not doing God a favor to be here tonight on Wednesday night. Does everyone realize that? Nowhere in heaven will God ever say, I was so proud of you to get to church on a Wednesday night. You amazed me, the Holy Spirit and the Son. We were just blown away because God's done all the work. So we look for mercy. We hum humbly say, Lord, we, I, I used to tell this when I was, in, when I was still at, when I was bivocational. You, I've told some of you, but some of you are newer. Uh, but I would tell my coworkers, uh, they would, you know, talk about how they were golfing on Sunday or doing that. And I said, look, I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. There's a big difference. Some people, when I was unsaved and a teenager and my dad would drag me to church, that was not something that I was interested in. But now, because of mercy, God's changed my view, and we humbly get to go and be with our brothers and sisters. We humbly get to listen to the Word of God. And we also, when we think about mercy, we have to remember, we know this, but we have to remind ourselves of it. We have to remind ourselves that even our righteousness is what? Filthy rags. Now, I don't want to do a full study on what those filthy rags actually mean. That's a whole other thing. But the bottom line is God is saying the best day you've ever performed in faith still is filthy. And yet God still, it, the amazing thing, even though God recognizes that our best most righteous, best walking days in the faith are filthy rags, he still says, well done to them. That makes sense. You know, on the one hand, he knows that they're not worth anything, but he sees the effort. And those of you that, again, uh, when you see people in the workplace, if you're a manager and you know someone has failed miserably at something that you gave them a task, but you see that there was real effort, genuine effort, are you there to destroy them or try and build them up. Well, the Lord sees the effort is there, sees that we're recognizing that it's not by works, but by grace you're saved through faith. It's not our works, not our righteousness. CCR family. It's also important that because we're looking for mercy, we look to the Lord's mercy, that we don't live in guilt. A lot of, a lot of Christians live in guilt all the time. Guilt, guilt, failure, failure. We do fail, but we don't live in guilt. We live in gratitude. We'll start with G. We don't live in guilt. We live in gratitude because the mercy seat 
is a place that should bring us to a, a thankful heart. We're thankful for mercy. And thanksgiving will replace the guilt. Because we, we then realize, see a lot of people, if they don't feel guilty, they think they've done a lot. That's why some people will actually die and go to hell because they think they've done a lot of good things. They don't have gratitude. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know why Jesus did die. I haven't done anything. Right? There's people that think, that. Well, I don't need, understand why you would do that. It, the, best, the worst thing I ever did is I accidentally stole something when I was four. But gratitude will replace guilt. We, we just say, Lord, we're so thankful for mercy. We have to keep ourselves in the mercy of Christ. But there's also another keep here. Not just keep ourselves in the mercy of Christ and remember forgiveness and, and gratitude for all the times we've failed, even today on Wednesday, October the 7th. We also keep ourselves, we have to keep away from sin. We have to keep away, we have to avoid things that cause us to stumble. Even though we're going to get to the fact that Jesus will keep us from stumbling, that I, there's a big difference between falling and diving, right? You can fall into a pool accidentally, and it can say, no getting in the pool and just dive right in. There's a big difference between falling and diving. And God knows the difference, and we know the difference. When people are in sin, they know if they fell or, or dove. But we need to avoid things that would uh, draw us into sin. You know, if, if, if you have a problem with spending money, you probably don't want to have a lot of time sh just, just window shopping. Because window shopping will lead to window buying. Not buying windows, but stuff that are in the windows. We keep away from things that would tempt us. Does anyone like using the porta johns when you go to like a public event? You know, those, uh, we, were, uh, we were on our way down the Outer Banks back in the summer. And um, so, you know, we stopped there at Morris's Farms. And they have the, the really cool restrooms with old-timey pictures. But then they had a brand-new bank of porta johns And they told us, hey, you can use these. They're just as nice. Guess how many people were in that line? None. No matter how much they try to tell us, you're going to think these are nice, people instinctively know, I've been in one before, and it wasn't a good experience. So I'll avoid that. Again and again and again. In our family, I have three daughters. If we go somewhere and they say, all right, there's a row of porta johns right here, and then there's another bathroom 14 miles down the walkway. Guess where we're going? All the way down. Could not see anything that day, but we didn't go in the porta john. But it's important that uh, we, avoid, we avoid things that would actually harm us. I'm not illustration, poor John, generally won't harm you. I guess it could in some places, but uh, we avoid, we should avoid sin and temptation the same way. We should walk the other direction. We should go away from things that would actually keep us from praying, keep us from being with the Lord, entice us to just waste our time or money or, or, or things that would be harmful uh, from a moral perspective, all those things to stay away. Uh, we resist uh, or we, uh, we run away from those things, but we also resist too. The Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And see, there, these are, we, not only, we not only keep ourselves in the mercy of God, but we also keep away from things that we know God has already told us, has already warned us about. 
And Adam and Eve were warned in the garden, don't eat of this fruit. I've heard a lot of pastors say, God didn't say you couldn't touch it. Well, you know what? He didn't say that, but I would have just stayed away. It was a good idea just to stay away from it. How close can I get and not be tempted? And that's what a lot of Christians do. How close can I get? Well, not only do they collapse, but then they can actually cause collapse in the family, and then they cause collapse in a church family, and it's a bad ripple effect, isn't it? So we need to keep ourselves in mercy, but also keep ourselves away from things that would harm us. Let's look at the next one. Um, you're taking notes. Uh, caring. Building, keeping, now caring. In verse 22. And on some have compassion, making a distinction. Well, there's a little bit of a gear shift here. It's talking about, first of all, our personal walk, our personal you know, time in the Word, our personal time in prayer, our personal time praising the Lord and just growing in our own faith Staying away from things that are temptation, like Joseph did. You know, he runs away from things that are tempting. But now, it's an outward look. It's not just about, we're not only saved not to do bad things and to live up on the hill in a Swiss monastery, but also to reach out. And it starts here uh, with caring. On some, have compassion, making a distinction you can't force yourself, none of us can, you can't say, that's it, I'm going to have compassion. Now, it's good to have intentionality to have compassion, but the only way you will have compassion is you spend time with the one of compassion, and that goes back to building and keeping. You spend time with Jesus, guess what? We begin to take on his characteristics. He had compassion on the multitudes, the scriptures tell us, right? When most people would have closed down shop and said, I've had a long day, I've had enough of it, if you need something to eat, there's the town. But he would have compassion. And so the more we spend time with the Lord, we become compassionate. I look back and, and now I'll find, I look back and see times where uh, I might have had a heart for something. I'm like, I can't believe I even care about this now. I would have never cared 20 years ago. And it's not me that cares about it. Who is it? It's the Lord that comes through us. He gives us a compassion. I'm sure in your own life you've seen that as well, where you're like, when did I start caring for these things? Well, the more time you spend with the Lord, you'll start to care about the things he cares about. It starts in the Word. It starts in prayer. But God gives us the impetus to care. We can't make ourselves care about things that are important to God. God gives us his heart. Just like he takes out the stony hard heart of our former uh, days before Christ, and he puts in a softer, tender heart. We don't have a tender heart by nature. By nature, we look out for number one. We're not looking out for people. We all, that's why Jesus told uh, the parable, the Good Samaritan, by nature, we all would walk around people and just let them, hey, my day's going fine, and just figure out a way to put it out of our mind and not care about it. But Jesus wants us to care. Back in our attributes that we looked at on Sunday, uh, number one, uh, when the tabernacle was built, it reflected a giving people, right? They had to, uh, God given the instruction that when there's going to be the building of a tabernacle or in the New Testament, the church, the people would have to be giving people. Just like Jesus would give his life a ransom for many, we would have to be giving people, giving of our time, our talents, 
and our treasure. Some people have no issue giving treasure. I've met people that are born-again believers that have plenty of money. They're flat-out wealthy, and they don't mind stroking checks, but they have no interest in giving their time or their talent. None. They're like, hey, I'll write you a check, but I, I'm not giving any time to that. That, that, will not, that will not mean anything to the Lord. We all understand that? But Jesus will not say something, well, you know what? Because you were a big spender. And he said, but you never gave a cup of water in my name. You never actually picked up a washcloth and actually wiped someone's sweaty brow or someone that was sick or any of those things. I mean, God's not impressed by that. But he's also equally not impressed by someone that does one of the others or two of the others. And he wants all of He wants our time, our talent, our treasure. We have to be giving. We have to have compassion. It starts in our hearts, but then it will manifest out. Uh, the other one that I looked at, uh, that, we, that we looked at on Sunday, uh, obedience to God's design. Well, his design for the church is the church would be caring and compassionate. That's one of the distinct... We, it's the, 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 the bride of Jesus Christ is distinctly different than radical Islam. That's not caring and compassionate, is it? Because it means submit. Sharia means submit. You'll submit to these things. We, on the other hand, are called to go and serve, to give, to love. Look at all the hospitals built by Presbyterian Hospital, Baptist Hospital, all of those things. Why? Because it's compassion to care. So we're happy, we have to care. Serving uh, starts in our prayer life, but as the Lord works through our hearts, it becomes relational. That brings us to the next point if you're taking notes. Reaching. Reaching. But on others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Um, as you care, the care can't be just uh, in a vacuum uh, that we just kind of, well, I care. Oh, boy, do I care. I care so much. My heart's breaking. Hey, what do you want to do? Well, I, I'm not going to do anything, but boy, do I care. It's a tisk, tisk. What is happening? right? Jesus was a man of action, wasn't he? He got up early in the morning. He went from village to village to village, town to town to town. He didn't just care, he went. He didn't just care from heaven, he came, right? So we can't just care, we have to go. He said, go into all the world. Go into all the world. We've been called to Chesterfield County. We've been called to help send others out. Some of you someday may be sent out. And so part of our reaching is to not just care in the heart, but reach out with the hand. We have to move out as we're able with our hands and feet. This involves, again, as we looked at on Sunday, uh, that first attribute, giving. It's God's design that we give of our time, give of our abilities. Uh, and over time... Uh, we come to love those things because Jesus gives us a heart for it. I believe we moved here to Genito Road uh, to be able to serve and reach more people. What do you think? I believe that's why God moved us here. We, we moved us here not because it's a better, I, I believe it is a better place. It has more, we can put 30 more chairs in here, which we typically don't need on Wednesday nights, but we can put 30 more chairs in here. Uh, someday we will. That's going to be cool, right? 
But anyway, uh, but it's to reach more people. Those big fields out there, we'll do outreaches. We will do things that, that, that minister to the community. I believe God brought us here for those reasons, but also to disciple. That goes back to building and keeping, that we would disciple here. We'd use the building as good stewards. We'd use the modulars as good stewards. But not only the discipleship of those that are already saved, but reaching out to those who aren't saved. You know, it's not just about this place. This is a launching out place. Sunday night, we'll be back in the Bonaire Detention Center because we're reaching. We don't just hang out on Genito. We launch out from Genito. The reaching out. I believe God put us here for that reason. We have more visibility. More people will come, and they'll hear the Word of God, and we'll share the love of Christ with them. Now, do understand, we, will we have bigger challenges? Yep. Yeah, we'll have bigger challenges. We'll have added complexity. We already do. And we'll need more servants, but we can also reach more people. And that's a good problem to have. This is not a problem. In God's economy, it's his desire. I truly believe that's why God opened the doors, and we simply walked through them to say, all right, Lord, you want us to walk through, we can reach more people in Chesterfield County. And, and, and ultimately, it won't be just Chesterfield County. I just reached out this week. I, I, hope he, I hope he gets back to me. And when I was down at Fort Lauderdale back in the spring, I met with uh, Jorge Bustamante, uh, who's head of Calvary Chapel's Global Missions. And I've, uh, I, I've invited him to come and speak to us in 2016, if I can get him up here and, and have him share what the Lord is doing all over the Caribbean, all over Latin America, and all over South America, and parts of Africa, and parts of India. And I want you to hear directly from someone who's been to all these places, because I believe someday, not only in partnership with people like Calvary Fort Lauderdale, or Calvary Chapel, Virginia Beach, or other places, but we also will have sending teams, and we'll be part of that. But right now, we're in a preparatory phase, which involves prayer, believing God, as Pastor Tito said, for big things, right? Reaching out, saving some by fear, but saving all with compassion. And by the way, when you pull people out of fires, it says, but on others saved here, pulling them out of the fire. When you pull people out of the fire, you're going to sweat a little bit. You ever got near a fire? and had to get something out of a fire. Sometimes when I'm frying an egg, I turn the heat up too much. And just flipping it, I have to turn the heat, because we have gas. I have to, literally, I'm like, good night, that's hot. It, you actually will get burned yourself sometimes pulling people out. But it's worth it because we're called to be those that stand in the gap, to be those that, that take that extra measure. And it's going to cost us something, but it'll be worth it. Jesus wants us going out, reaching out. We're not waiting for angels to do the job. Right? He, he didn't give this charge in. He didn't say, I've gathered all the angels together. You disciples, you guys just chill out. Find a really good building to hang out in, and I'm going to send the angels all. No, he didn't do that. Someday the angels will preach. You ever read, read the book of Revelation? They'll actually shout it from the heavens, but you don't want to be here when the angels are preaching. You don't want to be here when that takes place. Now, one last point on this, uh, where he says, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Some have compassion, some hating the garments. When, when you're reaching people, you've got to remember that sometimes it's not easy. You're going into Satan's 
battleground sometimes. You know, the, the hating even the garment. You've got to reach people, and you've got to be have, have such spiritual, just drenched by the Holy Spirit, that they don't pull you in to sin, but you're pulling them out. Right? That they're not pulling you; you're pulling them. And that, you know, Jesus was never, wherever he went, no one could pull him into sin. They also couldn't put him in a place that he became fearful and anxious. We can. We, be, we can become very fearful and anxious. But remember that God's in control of all these things. We also have to have the work of the Spirit to make a distinction of, we don't have a cookie-cutter approach to every single person we ever share our faith with. There's going to be times where sometimes you're just supposed to be compassionate and very gentle. But sometimes, because you know, God's uh, in God's word, James 4, 6, and God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Sometimes when I'm talking to a very proud person, the Lord and will just kind of, it'll well up in me, and I'll give them a very stern word in the Lord from the word of God and say, this is what the Bible says. You're not fighting against, you're fighting against God himself. And the word of God was quick and powerful, and it'll actually cut through because they need the law of God to recognize they're not their own judge and jury. The Lord is. The other people, they're just broken, and they need someone to put an arm around them, and you share the gospel in a, in a different way. It's just the same gospel, but there's a different approach, and that's why Jude is saying, you're going to have to make a distinction. Well, how are you going to make the distinction? The Holy Spirit. Praying, goes back to verse 20, praying in the Holy Spirit. Last two, verse 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless. Isn't that a beautiful verse? He is able. He's more than able. He's done it thousands of times, millions of times in the history of the world, of those that are already in heaven with the Lord. More than able, but willing. Trusting. He's able to keep us from stumbling and present us before and, and present us into his presence with exceeding joy. You know, all of us want joy in our life, don't we? Does anyone not want joy in their life? Remember what I talked about on Sunday? You pursue holiness, you that's the, the path to happiness. If you pursue happiness, that's not the path to happiness. People that pursue happiness never find it. Elvis Presley, Marilyn Monroe, the list is gone. Michael Jackson, the list goes on and on and on. People that pursued happiness and never found it. We pursue holiness, but we all want joy, don't we? We all want joy. We all want joy that wells up within us, but joy comes from trusting God that he will take care of us. Here he's talking about that he'll keep us uh, from actually stumbling in our spiritual life, but in every other aspect of life. Because if without God's help, we'll make lots of dumb decisions, right? Sometimes the weight of being a pastor and having people, I'm like, Lord, I'm afraid of making really dumb decisions. Then just follow me and you won't. You won't stumble. I mean, not, not, we all stub our toe. That's a big, stubbing your toe is a big difference between falling flat on face. True? Stubbing toe, no one even saw it happen. Oh, no one saw that, right? You fall on your face at Martin's, everyone will see it. Stub your toe, no big deal. It might hurt for a second, 
But little stings are actually good for us. They make us more aware, right? A little stub of the toe is not such a bad thing. It makes us aware. But he keeps us from stumbling, falling flat on our face. A little boy, it comes in, when you think about trust, God wants us to know that, hey, he can be trusted. A little boy was asked by his mom on a dark night to go outside and get the broom. They left it outside, and he said, I'm afraid it's pitch black dark out there. His mom says, well, son, Jesus is out there, and he's everywhere you go. So he barely opens the door, and he yells out, Jesus, if you're out there, please throw me that broom. And we would, like, we would like for Jesus to just do things that we can always see visibly. But the Bible tells us that spiritually we can see things that physically we can't see. And it's called faith. It's, we don't walk by sight. We don't see that Jesus is out in the dark places of life. We don't see that Jesus is out when he's asked us to take steps of faith. And it seems like there's no ledge there when you step off. We don't see, but we know by trusting that he actually is out there, and he'll keep us, yeah, he might let us stumble our toe a little bit just to keep us on our toes, but he's not going to let us fall flat on our face. Even Pastor Said, in an Iranian jail, Jesus has him safe in his hands. Believe that? He does. I think he believes it more than we do. When I read his writings, he's come to believe that he, God can be trusted. Hudson Taylor said, all God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they believed he would be with them. They believe that. Do you believe that? You believe that God will be with us. And then he closes in verse 25. To God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forevermore. It's a reminder to me, and I hope it is to us as Calvary Chapel of Richmond, but you individually, me individually, that never stop worshiping and being in awe of God, who alone is wise. There's great teachers. There's way better teachers in this world than me. I, I, I hear some guy, I'm like, wow. But no matter how great, did, you know God just said, he alone is wise. Charles Spurgeon, D.L. Moody, Billy Graham, all these great teachers on the radio, David Jeremiah, you know, the list goes on and on, and, and, and gifted in different ways, and God's given them talent, but, but he said, he alone is wise. It goes back to us, even the best we have is filthy rags. I love listening to the great teachers, but we use the word great, but God, you know, even Hudson Taylor said, all great men. We'll use the term, and yet we know they're really not, in a sense, great. But they've done great things because great is the Lord. Remember the hymn, How Great Thou Art. He alone is wise. You know, when Jesus was there uh, at the well in, in John chapter 4, it's one of these passages that I love. You know, he said to her, he said in verse 23, it's John chapter 4, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such to worship 
him. That they would realize that, because she was talking about how great Jacob was, and even though Jacob was used by God, Jacob would become Israel, Israel would become the nation. You know, God did great things for Jacob, but Jacob wasn't in and of himself great. The God of Jacob was great. He's the God, Jesus would tell this to the Pharisees, he's the God of the living, not the dead. He's God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not that they were the God of God. They were used by God, but he alone is wise. He's able to keep us from stumbling. He's able to help us care. He's able to help keep us safe and to keep us walking forward. And he's able to help us stay the course. Amen? And this is important. If we look, if we look back on the last two Sundays and you kind of take these things together, uh, we just say, Lord, we trust your blueprint. These seem like simple things. But again, these simple things God uses in a great way if we'll simply obey them. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. We thank you for this time together this evening. Lord, we pray that uh, even tonight uh, you've nourished us, you've built us up. Maybe uh, in the middle of a, a hectic week or a tough day or a difficult day that someone here may have had. Lord, I pray that these things encourage us, that you have us safe in your hand. You're able to keep us from stumbling. But Lord, you've asked us to do our part. And that's, Lord, just to make sure that we've asked you for mercy. As we've looked at the last couple of weeks, a clean heart, a fresh start, and you'll do your part. You'll keep us from stumbling. And Lord, that you would help us to fix our eyes on you and remember you're the only one worth worshiping and praising. Lord, even sometimes when we uh, don't feel quite right, we would just stop and praise you and worship and be recentered that you and you alone are in control of all things and can be trusted in the dark and in the more easier times in our lives. And we just thank you, Jesus, for all the doors you've opened lately. We pray, Lord, that we would be a faithful church of faithful individuals. And Lord, that you would do far more than we could ever imagine in the coming months and years. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.